Welcome to the Akiyama Brothers Song to Screen podcast, hosted by Mark and Landon Akiyama. This is episode 17, and the brothers are back to explore the rom-com that is sweeping the box office Crazy Rich Asians and Brian Tyler's unique approach to this film. Find out more at AkiyamaMusic.com. Hi, Mark. Hi. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's hot. Yes, it is getting a little hot, but at least it's cooling off. I think today in San Diego is a little bit cooler than it's been. Yeah. <gasps> I just had a birthday, by the way. Oh, That's happy right. birthday. Thank you. It's about You're time welcome. you say something. Sorry. Not like we live together. We don't. <laughs> He's kidding. We actually do. No, we don't. Um, yeah, actually, it was cool because uh, on your birthday, I went to go see your play. Uh, and then our friend Isaiah Frizzell came down. Which, speaking of which, guess what? Oh, yeah. Isaiah has a new podcast. So, remember, Isaiah was in a f- one of the episodes, A Quiet Place. I forget what number. Uh, but it was a few episodes back. And, let's see, he liked the idea of doing a podcast. And it's something that he's been thinking about for a while. So, he started one. And it is called The Bird Brain Podcast. All spelled out. And then Isaiah Frizzell. And then the cool thing about this podcast is we helped yeah. him film something, a little segment for uh, for his most recent one. So if you want to catch that, you can go follow him on Instagram. And we'll post a video too because we're, uh, we're scoring it. And we'll add a link to his Instagram in our show notes. And also we'll, do, we'll throw a link in uh, for his new podcast, The Bird Brain Podcast. So be sure to check that out. Follow him on Instagram and give him a shout out. So, Mark, today we are talking about Crazy Rich Asians and... And Brian Tyler. Exactly, Mr. Brian Tyler. One of my favorite film composers, not only because the music he writes, but kind of like his his background and sort of his approach to music is very similar to mine and his, uh, like, he's a percussionist, he's a drummer, percussionist, uh, film composer... But he has a really interesting kind of like take on how he got into film scoring and sort of his background. So we'll talk a lot about that because it's Brian Tyler. And yeah, he's done like the Avengers, uh, a couple of those. He's also done the Marvel theme song. So yeah, in the beginning of every Marvel movie, there's that uh, comic kind of comic book um, page flip. And that's his theme music in the background. Oh, and different from his other superhero scores. Uh, one thing that he's done is the Formula One theme, right, Mark? This is not even film related. He's uh, he was approached to write the theme song or approached to write music for the Formula One races. So the sport, yeah, the actual sport, yeah, which he's a huge fan of apparently, and he follows Formula One. Um, he knows the stories of all the racers and everything. So when he was approached to write the theme music for it, he was really excited, and then he like wove in a whole bunch of emotion into the into the actual score because he knows like what it's like being a fan of the sport so if you want to see like a behind the scenes of him recording the formula one session and and seeing the trailer for it and everything where it's used we'll add a link to that in the description yeah he's also done the fast and furious series he's done now you see me series he does a lot of uh early his early stuff was a lot of jazz 
uh, writing for small contemporary films. Which is um, cool because you don't see a lot of jazz in films. Yeah. So his approach is is sort of unique. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But also Crazy Rich Asians too. But before we do that, uh, I just wanted to remind everybody about our Moment Ambassador program. So if you do any mobile photography or anything, um, Moment makes lenses that attach to your smartphones. And they have a wide variety of lenses like... Uh, wide angle lens, superficial lens, um, anything pretty much. And then, so they just make your, turn your mobile phone into a much better tool for photography and, and filming. So if you use our link, you actually get a little discount on your first purchase. And then it also helps us out. And we also mentioned in the last episode that we will, uh, be changing our release schedule. So before we used to release on Mondays and now we are going to release on typically later in the week, uh, Thursdays. Um, and it's still going to be a twice monthly or bi-weekly episodes, but they will be coming out on Thursdays now. Yeah. So just in time for the weekend to catch up on any movies that we talk about or yeah. So it's fresh in your head and we'll be like, Hey, go see this one. Cause it was really awesome. Exactly. Such as crazy rich Asians, which was really awesome. It was so, actually better than I thought. Better than you thought. I yeah. told, well, Landon really didn't know anything about it. I didn't movie. know anything about it. I wasn't really expecting very much. Um, just based on the title, I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to see that. Um, I'm not, it, I couldn't really tell what it was about. You know, I could tell. From the title. I was like, it's going to be good. It's I knew got it was Brian by, Tyler's name attached to it. Yeah, I knew it was Brian Tyler. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit about Crazy Rich Asians. Um, it's based on the book by Kevin Kwan, Crazy Rich Asians. It's it's a series book, so they're actually slated to do, I think, so far, a second film. Um, so they're already talking about that. Um, this one, uh, directed by John Chu, John M. Chu, who's done, uh, let's see, Now You See Me. He did, yeah, Now You See Me 2. Yeah, he's done, he's done G.I. Joe Retaliation, the second one. Uh, he did Step Up 2. He did Now You See Me Too, which is also when he worked another collaboration with Brian, Brian Tyler. So uh, on Now You See Me, the second one. So they worked right. together before. And then, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. This film has a lot of music, a lot of different kinds of music and a lot of syndicated music. Um, anything ranging from like swing jazz to rap and remix music. Yeah, as well as like covers of um, songs by by Chinese artists and Asian artists um, of popular songs like Yellow, Coldplay was in there. Yeah, Can't um, Help Falling in Love with yeah. You. Yeah, they had a lot of cool covers. Um, so I would say it's kind of 50-50 sort of, half, half syndicated music, half Brian Tyler score. Um, he also did a lot of jazz arrangements for the, for the, for the soundtrack. So a little bit about Brian Tyler's background. He he actually studied uh, philosophy and history undergrad at UCLA, and then he did his master's program at Harvard. But all throughout that time, he was always writing music and um, performing live. He's a guitarist, a, a drummer, as well as a pianist. So, and he also actually has uh, his family, his grandpa was an established art director in Hollywood. He worked on a lot of cool films. And so that's, he taught Brian all about cinematography and cameras and lenses and techniques and sort of the technical side of filmmaking, which is where he got his interest in film. And then 
his grandparents also listened to a lot of classical music. So that kind of shaped his influence on um, classical piano playing like Rachmaninoff and Chopin. And then also his parents were like huge rock and roll. Um, they were fans of rock and roll music. So he kind of got both worlds. And it's kind of funny because he he also has sort of a alter ego in the music world. Really? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, his uh, he's also a DJ. Mad Sonic is his name. Oh, <laughs> so I... he does a lot of cool collaborations for like DJ and house music, and he does a lot of those kind of those kind of um, DJ club performances. And then like his all his film music now has been become more popular. So he does a lot of a lot of concerts where the they play his music with an orchestra. So he's out there conducting, you know, whichever orchestras performing his music so he's um doing a lot of touring yeah yeah he, he and actually, that's kind of what i was just gonna say he does look kind of like a dj yeah like a rugged gq kind of dj kind of guy yeah <laughs> Which, that i mean that kind of you can kind of tell that by his his fast and furious score he uses a oh, lot yeah. of mm-hmm. a lot of urban beat house music kind of style a lot of drums um but it's kind of funny because ironically enough, even though he does all that like sampled um, house music stuff for his DJing, he, when it comes to film scoring, he's very sort of like in the the traditional school of thought where you he wants to record as many live instruments as possible and always pushes to record an actual orchestra. And he's kind of... Um, he even says this himself, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting words in his mouth or anything. He says uh, he's kind of like against samples and using MIDI instruments unless it's just to trigger something, right? Yeah, which is always like that's how I thought of MIDI instruments as yeah. um, you know, it's just a a way to transmit a signal into the computer. So because of that, that like mindset he has, he plays a lot of his own instruments for the scores. Like he'll go in. He's talked about this. He he has a recording studio in his house um, as well as like a mixing studio. So what he does is he'll he'll like write the themes on a piano. Right. And then he'll he'll go in and record as many instruments as he can. So like for Fast and Furious, it's a really heavy drum driven track. So he he goes down and lays down the drum set part all himself. And then he does all the instruments he can like he plays vibes vibraphone he did that for now you see me for the sort of jazz uh, mystery sort of score the magic the magic show movie (laughs) which i love that movie too the magic show movie i don't know what to call it yeah you know yeah yeah so he lays down a lot of that stuff he has like tons of instruments in his in his studio just hanging around guitars on the walls a lot of um african drums uh Drum set, vibraphone, marimba, a lot of percussion instruments. Um, I think a lot of uh, unique instruments that Mark and I try to bring you in this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know how unique the halo drum is? Um, I don't know if he has one of those, so we might have a leg up on him there. All right, good. <laughs> you need to borrow that, Brian Tyler. You know, just, just give <laughs> you, us a call. You know where to find us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Brian Tyler's one of like my kind of favorite composers because of that he tries to play as many you know of his own instruments as he can on the recording and then he goes in and adds the orchestra which is um kind of awesome because that he 
like just picks up instruments like nobody's business and yeah well he's my favorite probably because he's the most stylish composer that i know of you just like his hair his dapper look and his and his highlights yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but like that's the approach that we kind of do we we really want to like try and record the live instruments because we play so many instruments so why not like we should take advantage of that and um it's cool to see him doing that too yeah, but like so for Crazy Rich Asians, one of the the first things they talked about like between the studio and them is um like it's a contemporary tale. Like even the uh the book, Kevin Kwan's book Crazy Rich Asians is like a contemporary love story or contemporary uh romantic comedy sort of sort of uh story. So they originally thought that they were going to like it was going to be a contemporary sort of uh, rom-com score so like guitar drums uh, like put a beat to it and stuff um but then when they f- saw the first cut of john's john Chu's uh what he filmed um they were like oh this is not gonna work because the way he filmed it is like this old throwback sort of kind of film with a, a technicolor feel like a larger than life kind of story um, one of the things Brian Tyler kind of compared it to in this, as far as style was like West side story sort of, where it's like larger than life. And it's, a just like a in your face kind of story with color pop, um, yeah, all of, these camera moves and yeah, they call it like a Technicolor score, yeah. um, Technicolor film. Yeah. So like the new, the new kind of restriction that they had instead of going with a contemporary sound was um brian tyler wanted to do it like a throwback music Mm -hmm. where as if it were recorded in 1945 with an orchestra and so it sounded like that and then like didn't he do something special with the microphones they used yeah so he ended up using um period microphones so like microphones from the 1940s or 1950s and then recording it as a full jazz band and orchestra yeah heck yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was a bad jazz impression. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Um, Sorry, did I just distract you? What were you saying? You used well, anyway, period microphones, right? Yeah, I used period microphones uh, to record the full jazz band and the orchestra just to capture those rich sounds and make it sound more like a throwback and actually... Um, kind of since you're visually looking at something contemporary something technicolory but you still have that throwback sound that sounds like you're in the 1940s and i think the director uh john chu actually curated a music playlist for the editor and brian tyler um as a reference and these were like these were even songs that were like swing dance songs um yeah that John Chu ran this playlist by his Chinese immigrant parents. Um, and they said that these were songs that they remember swing dancing to. Yeah, because um, that was popular. Yeah. That's, so that's why most of the movie ends up being swing dance, um, jazz, kind of with this old-timey rhythmic music. Yeah. Um, if you don't understand that, um, like even in the George Takei's musical, Allegiance. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um like during that time when Asian immigrants were 
coming to America, like they listened to swing music and jazz, jazz music. Yeah. And so they, they would like swing dance to stuff. And so that it's like, if you don't know that it kind of seems like a weird stretch to use jazz music for this movie, but that's like actually what, um, what yeah. they grew up listening to. Yeah. So, so I guess like culturally and yeah, it was and, part of, it became part of their life here. and part of the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like, it was really cool to see, um, Cause right off the bat in the beginning, like when the opening title happens, isn't it just? It's boom. It started right away with yeah. the jazz. A yeah, jazz you hear that, that first jazz song. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh man! And then the titles, the way they did the colors and everything. Oh man! It, they he set up the style of the movie of how it was gonna be from the beginning, and it was yeah. awesome. You were like really excited for it. So like the only thing I could kind of compare it to for um, today was kind of like La La Land, but. Not a musical. Not a musical. Yeah. Like right from the start, it had a its own very like kind of unique identity that, um, and like kind of unique vocabulary that yeah. they used. For, and you just get dropped into that. Yeah. Even the way they did one of the the early scenes in the beginning, like the texting scene with all the on screen graphics and everything, it was very stylized and um, it like, oh yeah, because that was one of the parts in the score, the uh, the texting. Isn't that what it's called in the track? Texting something soundtrack. I forget which track it is, but it's a huge like texting swing. Yeah, texting swing is like a up tempo kind of jazz, uh, jazz swing piece that Brian Tyler wrote. Yeah, and <laughs> that was that was a good scene. Yeah, right from the beginning, like here, you hear the 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 drums on the toms, the kind of Krupa pattern. Yeah, and then you hear those like wailing trumpets and brass. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So that was one of the restrictions. Um, Brian Tyler said they put on the film, or actually, the film kind of set those restrictions on the music. And he said that's kind of unique for filmmaking is each movie sets its own restrictions, but that kind of lets you be even more creative because because of those restrictions you have to work within. Uh, it kind of forces you to try to break out of it sort of. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a thing where once you know the rules, then you know how you to can break, break them. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they did that. He they did the 1945 kind of sound for the jazz, jazz stuff and everything. But then for the orchestral stuff, like between Nick's Nick and Nick and Rachel's love theme um, and then even Astrid's theme, uh, you have like this lush kind of orchestral sound, which was sort of arranged in a 1945 style. But then they also made it a point to kind of. Uh, have an Asian twist by adding uh, Chinese flutes and blending woodwinds in with the orchestra and stuff like using an air hu instead of violin, um, which is the, the Chinese instrument with one string. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes you see them, you see people on the subway playing them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. New York. I think. Yeah. You know. 
And then, of course, the jazz stuff. So those are all the kind of parameters that they set for the sound of this score. Yeah, and I really just... Um, I really love the uh, the way that they recorded it and the traditional score sound. Um, a lot of it was very unique, the instruments and the variability that comes with playing them. Uh, so, you know, even playing a little bit ahead of the beat or a little bit behind the beat, um, rather than just like, you know, quantizing something in the, in the software to make it all even. Oh, uh, yeah. So what, what he means when he says quantize, um, when you record computer instruments into the program, Logic in this case, or any DAW program, Pro Tools Logic, Pro Tools, Cubase, yeah. you can tell the computer to move the notes that you messed up on. Um, like if you played them too late or out of time or whatever, you can have the computer set everything so that it lines up perfectly, which Brian Tyler really hates. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it really sound like samples. It does. It makes it sound very fake and defeats the purpose of you playing it in in the first place. Yeah. Which is not what they did for this, obviously. No, because they even went the extra mile and used period mics. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, you don't go through the trouble of using period mics if you're going to end up Undo using, everything. Yeah, with samples or quantizing. Yeah. yeah, so Crazy Rich Asians is actually kind of a break from Brian Tyler's most recent like movies, sort of his... He's kind of been typecast as the superhero adventure kind of action sci-fi sort of wheelhouse of scoring. Um, but that's not exactly what he wants to be doing all the time. So he tries and picks, uh, goes, he tries to go for movies that um, kind of break that also. Cause like if, mm-hmm. if you do one style film and then the studio knows that you can do that kind of film. It's always a safe bet just to use you to do similar styles, um, which is kind of the, yeah, well. It's kind of one of the drags, I guess, of just being typecasted. Yeah, uh-huh. So what Brian, he, he tries to do scores and do movies that after he's done with them, he feels like he's pushed himself and he's like learned something new or learned a different style or really... Um, just made something he's proud of and not just rehashing his like doing what he's known for rehashing the same old kind of thing he wants his goal is to write something better than what he's written in the past which i mean why would you not write music with the goal of being better than what you wrote before anyway yeah otherwise you're just going backwards taking yeah one step forward two step back yeah so he was really excited to work on this project um even before he was signed on to do the film, like he and John Chu uh, watched a rough, really rough cut of the film. And after seeing it, uh, he was really excited because he felt like it was a story that he could help tell with with John. Uh, yeah. It sounds like Brian Tyler tries to go for the, um, those emotional, those stories that have like a hidden emotional well, uh, not only, background. Yeah. Yeah, not only that, though, he said he likes to work with, um, he picks the movies he does based on the people who he's going to be working with. Like him and John Chu have done a couple movies together, so he knows they work really well together. Yeah. And he knows the kind of director he is, and he likes what John brings out in him and lets him do. And Yeah, so 
I mean, Brian, Tyler, and John have, seems like they have a really great relationship. Um, Brian describes that, you know, they listen to each other, what each other is saying without cutting in or cutting somebody off. Um, they can have creative disagreements and still consider each other's opinions, kind of like what Mark and I do most of the time. <laughs> um, and even, and that even, even goes to admitting that they were wrong sometimes. Uh, so, I mean, that's one of the things that you want in a director, I'd say. Yeah. There were actually two cases, Brian Tyler said, where about, like, for this movie, where he wanted to try something for these two scenes. And he said, to his credit, the director um, put in Brian's ideas in the in the movie, and then when they watched them back, they ended up staying in the film. And so they went went with that yeah so they're still there yeah i wonder which ones he's talking about i don't know he wouldn't say maybe the texting swing no i think that was i don't know i think that was probably pretty much set i think that that might just be my favorite song so to get really nitty-gritty detail oriented uh i think it's track number four called astrid and oh wait before i go into this there's actually two soundtracks uh the first one is the original motion picture soundtrack by Brian Tyler. And then the other one that I first listened to was the original motion picture soundtrack with the various artists. And that's the one that we were talking about earlier that has all the the kind of the covers um, and the original songs, uh, the covers like Can't Help Falling in Love by Kena Granis and Yellow by Catherine Ho. Yeah. Uh, those were the two main covers. And then even Aquafina has... <laughs> oh, yeah, she does. By the way, did you know Aquafina was in this movie? Yeah. Well, you're going to find out pretty soon. She was hilarious. She makes, like, a great appearance, yeah. Uh, she stole Monday, the show. Monday, Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was funny. Yeah, she was, she was by far my favorite character. It was such a great cast. Like, everybody had really strong performances and... Yeah, and it's clear characters and yeah, yeah, and like it's been a while since I've seen a movie at the theater that has a cast this strong. Yeah, like even Brian Tyler said when he was writing the movie and and deciding like how strong to make the music or if he should kind of sort of hide it in the background a little bit or whatever. The he said the performances that the actors gave were so strong that it just made it easy for writing and that the music could actually be loud and bold and kind of say something itself and not hide behind, um, hide too much or in the corner kind of. So if you want to get detail oriented, we can talk about some of the jazz in here. Uh, One track in particular that I want to point out is number four called Astrid. And I think this is the one where if you're watching the movie, um, what's his name? Nick is telling Rachel about his family. So he's talking about his cousins and then he talks about his sister um, and the differences between each of them. Oh, you mean when they're introducing the his family? Yeah, when they're introducing his family. That was cool. I like how so they do that. What, the finance guy? Then there's Astrid. Optimum angle. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I have an optimum angle. Nah, all of, all of my angles are good. Omni-op... Op, 
<laughs> Wouldn't that be omni optimum? So optimum angles and all. This is track number four, Astrid. Mark, do you notice anything about that form in the song? It's a 12-bar blues. And you'd be 12 times correct. So, a 12-bar blues, uh, I don't know. how It's 12-bar blues. It's like the hallmark of of jazz. Um, It's almost like what every, I guess, every beginner jazz player learns on, um, including like the standards, uh, even some of the standards like Billy's Bounce. Uh, by Charlie Parker is based off of a 12-bar blues. Uh, so this song is based off of a 12-bar blues, which in its essence is really like a 1-4-1-2-5-1 one, one, one kind of kind of, uh, kind of progression. So if you want to go into detail, it would be four bars. The first four bars are the one chord, and then the next two would be the four and then the next two would be the one, followed by the two, five, one, six, to go back to the one. So that was was that was that too technical, or should I dive a little bit more into that? No. If you want, here I'll even play it. Oh yeah, this uh-huh. one. Yeah, it's like that's it's an like, example. Of I mean, him. it's like the intro song for for some of the characters, and then so it just uses something like a twelve bar blues, but he he dresses it up in you know kind of like a fun big band style. Yeah, like a like an old Hollywood nineteen forty five style big band. Yeah, so they play so they play the head, the main melody of the song for twelve bars, and then for the next twelve bars, uh, you have a soloist like the bassist and then the trumpet and then like even percussion if you want so i hope that wasn't too detail and nitty-gritty but if you enjoy that stuff please tell us please give us feedback on it on it uh i'd really like to hear so this is like a big razzle dazzle movie uh showing off their locations were yeah. awesome. Showing off Singapore. Singapore, oh my gosh. All those buildings, they had such great locations. Like, I need to scene, go visit Singapore right now. Yeah, each scene was significantly different than the last. And the wedding scene was awesome. Oh my gosh. Like, 
if you I don't know if you haven't seen a wedding a royal wedding I mean this was like a royal wedding on steroids what did Aquafina say it's damn, like damn Rachel he's like the Asian bachelorette <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's like the Asian <laughs> like it it. Was... why is she she talks with like a southern accent I don't know Aquafina <laughs> she's hilarious though yeah yeah she had great scenes and um yeah all the actors were awesome like the the lead guy um henry what's his name the character's name is nick nick yeah he this was his first movie he's made he's done like a lot of british um i think british history channel type of stuff but this is his first like movie rachel the actress that plays rachel constance uh constance Wu. She was. She's been in some TV stuff here. Um, oh yeah, yeah. One of the, even Ken Jong was in this movie, and uh, the guy from The Hangover. Yeah, the guy from The Hangover. Doctor Ken. And I think I forget who said it, but the the way he portrays his character is actually just like him playing himself. Like that's actually how goofy he is in this movie. In in real life, yeah. Oh yeah, I know because yeah. he's a stand up comedian, and he's he was like he was hilarious. Yeah, he went to med school at Duke and then, but like all the while he was doing stand up all the time. And then he like practiced medicine and then he quit, became an actor from The Hangover. That was his first movie. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to break out. (laughs) He's all like, yeah, uh, jumping out of a trunk naked changed my life. (laughs) No, and then he, what was it? He tweeted something. um, He retweeted something. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) somebody in Fullerton. They they said they were watching Crazy Rich Asians in a theater in Fullerton, and then when Ken makes the joke about uh, going having gone to Cal State Fullerton, he said the entire theater like lost it and started cracking up. Yeah, yeah. So he, I mean, he's a really great actor, really great comedian. I think I would love, I would die laughing seeing him in stand up. Yeah, live. Yeah, yeah. But the whole the whole cast was awesome, and it was really special, I guess, because. I, apparently there hasn't been an all Asian cast in like 20 years since yeah. the Joy Luck Club. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, so they were making a big deal about that. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, that put a lot of pressure on Brian Tyler or he thought. Yeah, well, he, yeah, that was one of the concerns Brian Tyler had and that he addressed with like, with John Chu, the director, is that he wasn't, um, sure if it was a movie that he should be working on i guess yeah so i think yeah brian tyler was a little tentative when john chu asked him to be on this project um because he's a caucasian composer and yeah and i think that's something even brian tyler brought up to to john chu and i think john chu just looked at him like what he was so confused as to why that would make a difference and because he knew that Brian Tyler would be able to to hit the tone of the movie and that he was confident like he'd be able to help him tell the story and that's what he wanted. He wanted the emphasis to be on the story. Yeah. So which I think is what's important. Yeah, so I think it was nice seeing um casting and a whole team getting the team of people right for the story rather than for other reasons. Yeah. And I think one thing um Brian Tyler said it's just a matter of getting people to go see this movie because um, it's a really good film and it's got a great story and like the heart of the story is pretty moving if you see it 
and yeah. it's it's all wrapped up in a drama love story it's got comedy it's it's a really solid film and uh and there's something that you could find relatable yeah anybody in an in in this whole movie like yeah you know and just fa- the fact that it's an all asian cast they said really you don't even like you shouldn't even notice that and that's not something you pay attention to when you're watching the movie because right from the beginning the story just like grabs you and that's and the what music, it's about the yeah. music grabs you like the music time. grabs you first first yeah. of all it's like <laughs> boom we're 1945 jazz but that that also talks that's also kind of one of the issues i have sort of with hollywood is it's not so much about stories it's about what they know for sure is going to make money which is only worth investing in which is right now is sequels um spin-offs or movies on pre-existing work they're not like interested in in pursuing original yeah. scripts even I, though this one's based on a book um so it is a pre-existing work it but is, i mean so it's like they had that to, to kind of ease them into it yeah yeah it's more of like one of those pre-existing works that kind that's kind of Outside of the scope of what a normal Hollywood movie might be. So what John Chu was able to do and the whole cast, like really, they brought together a really unique story and something that's relatable to everybody. And they told a great story. And that's why the movie is going to be successful. I mean, it's the movie's already successful. It's been top of the box office for like two weeks straight since it came out. Yeah, the second weekend almost matched its opening weekend. Yeah, it was is, just a, there was just a little bit of a dip. Yeah, um, but other than that, kind of unheard of. It's still on the top. Yeah. So I, mean, I actually want to go see it again. I'm gonna go see it again. I'm not gonna with lie, you. I kind of want to mostly see it again just to see Aquafina's Aquafina's all her parts. <laughs> like, yeah, oh my it, gosh, when she opens the trunk and, <laughs> and she's flipping through. Don't the, stop! Stop! Don't ruin it. It's not a spoiler. Don't ruin it, though, Mark. It's funny. It's funny for the first okay, time. Fine, you need fine, to see fine. it. You need to see it. You have to see it. Yeah. So, if anything, just go see the movie to see Aquafina. She said one of her first names that she was toying with was uh, Dasani with two S's. Dasani? <laughs> <laughs> so, it was, it was always going to be a water bottle. Yeah. But now everybody's going to go out and buy Aquafinas. Yeah. So, she's hilarious. Henry Golding was awesome. That's his first film. Ken Jong. It was just a really like strong cast, and it was a good story. It was a really strong movie, strong writing, strong music. Bold I, Technicolor. I don't know if Mark and I can give enough praise for this movie. Um, well, I went into it hoping it was going to be good, um, and Landon went into it not really knowing much about it. I expected it was going to be bad or so-so, kind of moderate. Yeah. Like, you know, not that I would be as big of a fan as I am now. But really, there haven't been a whole lot of like strong romantic comedies in the past year or so yeah not in a while that's not been a popular category at all it's all been a lot of superhero movies and i think i think everybody's kind of kind of getting a superhero fatigued yeah i think they're i I was excited to see this movie because it was totally different and not a superhero movie yeah and i agree yeah anyway i don't I don't we think love I... Brian Tyler. We love his music. We love what he did with this movie. We love jazz. I love jazz. I don't we know love, Mark loves jazz. We love crazy rich Asians. <laughs> we love Singapore. I know. I want to go to Singapore now. Yeah. That What was that building called? I forget. The Marina Bay Sands. Oh, yeah. my God. That building. It's like the three 
three giant towers with the boat looking thing on the top Whoa. yeah Whoa. go see this movie you have to see it in theaters it's one of the ones you have to see in theaters because it's a it's a larger than life kind of story and oh yeah and you need a larger than life screen yeah to see it obviously yeah anyway i don't really know what else to talk about for this neither do i i think we are all set so if you are new to the podcast please like subscribe please follow us on instagram um please do share this podcast and this episode tell your friends that we are now on a different release schedule we'll be coming out later in the weeks but still bi-weekly uh you can find out more at akiyamamusic.com don't forget to rate us on itunes don't forget about our moment lens links Thank you, everybody, so very much for listening. Thank you for all your comments. Thank you for, you know, sharing. Thank you for... And also look out for the the new short film that we're working on with Isaiah. Oh, yes. We'll be posting that. Anyway, that's about it. Anyway, everybody, thank you again. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Talk to you next time.